Hey, I'm teaching on confidence tonight, and my focus is to stir confidence in you. The Bible says in Romans, the 10th chapter and the 17th verse, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I love the Psalms. They're snapshots in time of life experiences of believing people. It shows the struggle. It shows sometimes the despair. It shows the circumstances unvarnished. It shows the people's lives, warts and all, but it shows how faithful and how consistent God is to be an ever-present help in the time of need. And Psalm 27 is such a beautiful psalm. It's a psalm of fearless trust in God. I want to read the first few verses. It says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? So, He's kind of answering his own question. He said, why, why would I fear when the Lord is the strength of my life? He's, he's having a discussion with his own soul. Say, the Lord is the light, my light and my salvation, so whom shall I fear? The Lord, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who has all the physics laws in the palm of his hand, the one who knows more about the future than you do about the past, is in my life. He's made an investment in me personally, so whom shall I fear? Why would I fear? When I have someone so mighty, someone so penetrating and powerful, someone so consistently great, available to me, constant with me, present with me. He said, the Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? When evildoers came upon me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and my enemies, they stumbled and fell. Though a host encamp against me. Now, that may be a little unclear. A host is a huge number. A host is a big, just giant, overwhelming situation. And, and, and though a host encamp against me, my heart will not fear. Say that in your heart right now. My heart will not fear. The war arise against me, which it did in the case of King David here, over and over again. He said, in spite of this, I shall be confident. Wow. Confidence is what I want to talk to you about tonight. Confidence is not denial. Confidence, however, is the belief and the feeling that one can rely on someone or something. It's the belief and the feeling that one can rely on someone or something. Now, I want to just tell you who the someone is in the Psalms. It's, the, it's God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. It's Jesus, the good shepherd, who came to lay down his life for us. Jesus, who is faithful, who came for this purpose to destroy the work of the evil one. He came to seek and save that which is lost. 1 John 3, 8 says, the Son of God appeared for this purpose. Jesus is very intentional. This psalm is very intentional. It's not flowery prose. I think dismissive people think, well, you guys are needing comfort, and so you're running toward uh, religion for your comfort. I'm attracted to the reality and authenticity of this truth. This is Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. Listen to who he is. Listen to what he's done. He stabilized people for 2,000 years. He's consistent. His earthly ministry was notable to the historians of his time, to the Roman Empire, to Josephus, the Jewish, Jewish historian that observed the impact that he had. 
And here we are 2,000 years later talking about him in the context of coronavirus and uh, state of emergency and social distancing. But there's no distance in the spirit. And we uh, can always draw near to him through high times and hard times. Don't get distanced from God today. Don't blame God. He's good. Sickness and disease and sin and all the collateral damage came from the fall of humanity, from our failure, my failure. But yet Jesus came to restore us. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, to destroy the work of the evil one. So uh, it's good news to know that God's faithfulness is present here. And this is what the attitude was for David. He said, hey, the, uh, the Lord, and he said this in Psalm 23 earlier on, the Lord is my shepherd. He was a shepherd. He understood tending sheep. I was recently in a place where I saw many shepherds tending sheep out in fields. And uh, actually, I went by the place where there are green pastures. But for probably 80% of the year in this particular place I was in, the green pastures actually look parched and brown, but not to the eye of the good shepherd, because a shepherd knows how to lead the sheep through all the dry ground and find the patches and, and sprigs of fresh foliage. And not only that, good shepherds know how to find them, uh, the grass right at the time, at the dew point, when there's not only fresh grass, but also little dew drops of hydration so the sheep can get nourishment and be hydrated. And God cares about the details of your lives. You know, he calls us his sheep, the, the, the people and sheep of his pasture. And being that he is excellent at what he does, the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I want to say this in Isaiah 53. Jesus bore our sicknesses and he carried our diseases. He's the Lord that heals us. And there's an assurance to that that's very vital in a time like this. He's a shield round about us. And so we can have undisturbed peace when we're confident we put our trust in in our beliefs in the someone and the something, his word, that is reliable. Confidence is a state of being certain about the truth of something. It's a state of being certain about the truth of something. And uh, you know, I want to comment about the devil. The, the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. What a contrast. Jesus came to bring life and healing and peace and forgiveness. Whereas the thief, the devil, he is a vicious liar. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. In fact, I wrote in my notes here that the devil antagonizes in the areas of uncertainty. The devil antagonizes in the area of uncertainty. So the Apostle John, who was an eyewitness of Jesus, actually even wrote with intentionality. I, I want to go to uh, this segment of scripture uh, in... Uh, 1 John, because it's, it's a confidence builder. Confidence comes when we are informed about what is available to us. And in uh, 1 John chapter 5, I'm going to read verse 13 through 15. It says, uh, and this is the whole reason John wrote these, uh, these letters. He wrote the Gospel of John and he wrote three epistles, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and he also wrote the book of Revelation. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He was one of the first at the tomb when Jesus was risen. And Jesus, in fact, on the cross, asked him to take care of his mother, Mary. And in verse 13, 
It says, these things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So that you may know. Notice that word. This is the confidence which we have before him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests which we have asked from him. Man, that is the confidence produced in a person who has belief. And then the feelings follow. Assurance follows. A settledness and a confidence comes even into our thought life, even into our emotions, even into our bodies to stabilize us, to fend off the turbulence and to help us to adjust and manage. In fact, right now, whatever you're going through, in addition to this corona, I have a friend who I just heard had experienced a terrible car accident, damaged the, the, her cervical spine, and has been paralyzed from the neck down. She's not even thinking about coronavirus. She's trying to figure out how to help her little uh, nine-year-old son. When we had uh, Katrina hit the, the southern quadrant of our country, here, when I was pastoring here in St. Louis, and we rallied teams to go there and to start to serve and help and clean up after the devastation, I was aware not to overemphasize that distant, terrible, what was at that time the worst natural disaster in U.S. history. I was aware that there were Katrinas going on in people's lives here in, in, in our midst. And, and I have learned as a pastor never to downplay those things or minimize or trivialize those things because God doesn't. He cares about every little deal in your life. God loves you. And I know this because Peter was questioning things. He was vacillating. His name was Cephas. The apostle Peter, before he became the apostle Peter, was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee, the son, one of the sons of Zebedee. And you, he was kind of mercurial. He was kind of on again, off again. You know, one minute he says, Jesus, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus says, blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you but my father who's in heaven. A little while later, he says, Lord, you don't need to go die on the cross. And Jesus has to rebuke him and say, get behind me, Satan, because you savor the things of man and not the things of God. Peter's the guy that we know saw Jesus walking on water and he said, Lord, if that's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. And he stepped out of the boat and walked on water famously. We also see paintings, maybe at your church, maybe you know, you've seen them where he's sinking in the water. And uh, Jesus lifts him up, you know, and he said, man, fear not, only believe. You know, he said, why were you afraid? You know, and he encouraged him to, to develop his faith. And he walked him back to the boat. How about that? Uh, Peter is the guy that uh, was very inconsistent. You know, he was bragging, Jesus, I would die for you, man. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows twice, you'll deny me three times. He denied Jesus and dejected and, and, and afraid and, and isolated and socially distanced. When Jesus resurrected, the, the angels said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Jesus is telling something there, Peter, come back. And then Peter gets filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and it changes his whole dynamic. He goes from being the one vacillating, fluctuating, double-minded, to someone with strong intent, confidence came into his spirit. Peter, who was fearful, 
became Peter the Confident. And notice it didn't emanate out of superhero element. It didn't emanate out of self-help actualization hype. It came from the power of what Jesus did on the cross and his death, burial, and resurrection and what the Holy Spirit can do in every one of our lives if we let him. And then later on we read Peter writing that we should cast all of our cares, all of our worries, all of our fears, all of our anxieties, all of our tension upon Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you consistently, watchfully, adoringly, lovingly, affectionately. Peter got the revelation that God could be trusted. And God even called him the rock. He said, uh, you know, you're, you're now the rock. You used to be the reed blowing in the wind, and now you're the rock. And, and you know, this is amazing, that out of weakness, we can actually be made strong. And uh, I want to encourage you about that today, because our society, in fact, needs us who believe, who have this set of beliefs, and the resulting confidence that this produces, to go forth and bring stability during these times of difficulty. We need to pray very biblically. When we do, when we know it's scriptural, is it scriptural to pray for healing for somebody? Absolutely. It's called the prayer of faith. In the book of James, it says the prayer of faith will save the sick, and if they've committed any sins, they'll be forgiven them. When you pray, believe you receive, Jesus said in Mark chapter 11, verse 24. All things are possible to him that believes. Our beliefs matter. And sometimes at a time like this, it's like, God, I'm overwhelmed. What should I do? I've heard so much information. The news cycle is overwhelming. Well, we need to get in the good news cycle and attend to his word and incline our ear to his sayings. Not let them escape our sight, but actually keep them in the midst of our heart. Why? Because they're life to those who find them and their health to all their flesh health to all their flesh. You might be depressed right now, apart from the corona thing. You don't even care about that. You're trying to figure out how to pay your car payment. You're trying to figure out how to respond to a loved one who's alienated from you. I get it. I'm telling you, God will help you in your situation right now because he is an ever-present help in the time of need. Now, I'm speaking to believers. Believers go through things. I have beliefs, but I'm not spared some of the difficulties of life. It's just a consequence of living in a fallen world. And yet we have this abiding confidence that the king of kindness, the Lord of life, the Lord of love, the prince of peace can show up on a situation and say, peace be still. It could stabilize the most horrendous emotional moment. It could bring answers to the complexities of the multi-decisions we have to make. So here we are, just making the decision to stand on the promises of God. Doctrine and teaching from the word of God is not guesswork. It's actually clarified in the, in, in the Old and New Testament. We can go to the Bible and we can find the facts of who God is, of what God has provided, what he's insisting upon, what he's commanded us with, what he likes and what he doesn't like. And uh, we can be confident in his word. And I love this repeating that you, so that we may know we have eternal life. This is the confidence we have before him, that we know that he hears us and we have the request. Boy, that'll bolster your faith. Believers, pray. Pray for those in authority over us. They're having to make huge decisions right now. I've noticed just in two or three days, 
the escalation of requirement on leaders to make serious decisions. The NBA, NHL canceled their games. I've never seen anything like this in all my years. And I'm over 28 years old. I've been around for a while. And it's interesting, we've never been at this place before. But you know what? God, be assured of this. He has it all sorted out. He is faithful and we can trust in him. Our confidence can shift onto him. In fact, that's what David said. In spite of this, I shall be confident. In spite of this, I shall be confident. There's a positive in spite of this, a resistance to these circumstances. I'll look at it. I'm not going to ignore it or deny it, but I'm not going to allow it to steal my joy and steal my peace when the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, Lord, are they increased that trouble me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of my soul, there's no help for him in God. But you, O Lord, this is David's response, but you, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Another psalmist in Psalm 42 and 43 said it over and over again. Why so downcast, O my soul? Why so disquieted or fearful in me? Put your hope in God. Put your hope in God. I like hope because hope is the anchor for your soul. I'd rather be hopeful than negative and pessimistic. And I'd rather have a hope anchored in the scriptures and have biblical hope than baseless optimism. I'm not an idealist, I'm a realist, but I'm practical in my hope because I've been reading the Bible and I've let this work in my life over and over again, in my marriage, in my parenting in my responsibilities as a pastor, as a person in life, as a human being, as a citizen. I've watched the faithfulness of God overshadow every ridiculous temptation, challenge, trial, and ordeal that may come. God is greater. God is faithful. God is holy. God is mighty. God is someone worthy of consideration. And we can trust him. He'll, pres he'll preserve your soul. Just let your soul get nestled into a preservative for a little while because we already know what the news keeps saying every 10 minutes. So this is good to have some good news right now. And notice, I have not ignored or denied any of this stuff. We're making practical provisions. We're being disciplined as a staff, as a church family. We have a relief organization. I'm certain we have big requirements up ahead of us. We've delayed our trips to Nashville to help them in their tornado path, trying to figure out what we're supposed to do in this this health situation here right now, and God will give me wisdom. I'm not pretending I know exactly what to do, but I know I will know what to do when I need to do it, because that's how faithful my God is, and that's the assurance I have. I want to encourage you that hope is an anchor for the soul. I just want to give you a, a kind of a parallel. I read that in the early, early days, there was someone, I think it was in the Roman times, Someone that was assigned to take, jump out of the boat in the shallow water and actually drag the anchor and the rope up to, a dry, to a, the anchoring place. And the people in the boat would wait until this person went on out ahead and got the anchor into a solid and stable place. And then everybody was able to proceed. I think I might be that person right now going out a little bit ahead of a thing in the wind and the storms of the moment, being tossed to and fro by the circumstances. Just get out ahead of it a little bit, just to get the anchor fixed in the solid 
trustworthiness of all the things Jesus has provided and the things he's willing to supply. We literally can pray over school districts that God will spare and protect the student body, the faculty, the staff, the teachers. We could pray for the hospitals and we could pray for the people that are first responders that are already overwhelmed all around the world and we could cover them. I had a a meal with a man from Canada named Leon, a doctor, a medical doctor, whose responsibility for years has been to tend to the medical care people during, and he told me recently, the SARS outbreak of a few years ago in Canada, in his town of Toronto. And his consideration was to go out ahead and get an anchor established for the people so they could do their jobs. You've got some big jobs to do, big prayers to pray, You've got relationships to tend to. Moms and dads, listen. I watched on the news where a psychologist said, you know, you, you need to share with your kids about this. But one of the key things they said was, make sure you're settled and you're not coming from a place of anxiety or agitation. And so they said, go get yourself calmed down before you share with your kids. And, and I thought, that's interesting. And this may be what Friday night right now is. Even though we had to respond to the mandate that was put out societally, the word of God is not in prison. In fact, it might just be going forth like this right now because it's actually strategic in your case. There may be some of you out there, in fact, I know this is the case, where I'm putting that anchor out there. Maybe like Leon, the medical doctor, that's making sure that the caregivers are covered. You, in fact, are called to be a caregiver. You gotta get out of the fear of yourself. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. I just want to alert you to the idea that you're definitely called to pray. And even when it's mind-numbing, and even when you're just flipping channels and mouth-breathing and freaked out, sometimes we got to just turn it off, go into the secret place. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus described it this way. But you, go into your closet, close the door, close your door, pray to your Father who's in secret, and the God who sees what is done in secret will reward you openly. John gave a huge confidence boost by saying, we know, we know, we are confident of this, and we know. He wrote these things, so if we read it, we're going to get enriched, strengthened, and get some foundation. So we have a spiritual leg to stand on. Our confidence ends up being in God. Our confidence is in the Word of God, not extrapolation of some sort of misquote, but something that we see in context that's consistent. We judge Scripture with Scripture. Does it glorify Jesus? Is this saying what it was intended to, be, to have be said? And then, therefore, since it is, I'm going to stand on it in my case. And I'm going to bravely and confidently and boldly believe for these viruses to come to a halt. We pray in the name of Jesus that this thing would be abated, that people would be protected. And maybe these extreme measures, I've never seen anything like it, maybe these extreme measures might be necessary for a period of time just to break down the possibility and the prospect of spreading and of contagion. But nevertheless, our trust is in the Lord. We trust the medical care people. We trust those in authority over us and pray they make good decisions. But our decision today is we're going to believe and trust God. You might be there and somehow you found it. Somebody maybe forwarded it to you. You clicked on you. You don't even know who I am. 
I've been a pastor in town here for almost 40 years. And I love the Lord. He's changed my life. But I wasn't raised in church. I was lost. I had a worst case of something worse than coronavirus. It was called sin. And I was lost. And it wasn't just death. It was eternal separation from God that I was facing. But then somebody remarkable, somebody that had that anchoring hope, somebody who had experienced change through Jesus told me that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I got that because I was lost. You say, well, what were you saved from, man? I was saved from ambiguity. I was saved from futility. I was saved from my sin. I was saved from going to hell. I was saved from being separated from God. And I was saved into God's family. And I was saved and accepted in the beloved. And I was saved by grace through faith. And that was not of myself. It wasn't by works. I couldn't earn it. I certainly didn't deserve it. But I definitely wanted to receive it. First chapter of John, verse 12. He said, as many as received him, to them he gives the right and the power to become the children of God. When we believe on the name of the Lord Jesus, things will change. Fear not, only believe. Say, well, I believe in the good Lord. Take it a step further. Believe in God as your father. I believe he's my father. I say that, our father. Okay, but now accept the spirit of adoption, the sacrifice that Jesus, the substitution he made. He made a swap. He came to this earth and he said, I'll take your sin. Will you take my righteousness? I'll take that which separates you from my father and I'll give you that which accesses my father. The Bible says, he who knew no sin was made to be sin on our behalf so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. And there's a whole bunch in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 about us actually being called out to be ambassadors for Christ. That's what I'm doing right now. But you're called to do it too. Everybody that's following Jesus is to understand their mission as the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So I pray God protects you. And there are three categories of people I want to pray for at the end of this message. You're like I was when I was a teenager and I was lost. You say, man, I, I need Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. I want to pray for you, a pray, a, what they call a sinner's prayer. I, I like to call it a prayer of repentance, a prayer of willingness, of humbling, a prayer of opening up to him and accepting him. If you're a believer, but you've been disoriented, you've been out and about, you've been drifting, I'm going to pray that you'll rededicate. I'm going to pray that you'll have a come to Jesus moment and come back, a rededication. The third category, you might be freaked out, you might be worried, you might have just suffered a great loss, you might have had your grandmother pass, or you don't know what's going to happen at work, you, you know, you don't have, you're an hourly worker, and you don't know what's going to happen with your paycheck, that sort of thing. And I want to pray that God will bolster your faith, build you up, and create breakthrough. So if you want to be saved, want to rededicate, or you need a breakthrough, bow your heads with me and let's pray together. Heavenly Father, first of all, I have confidence that uh, before you, that when I ask anything according to your will, I know you hear me. And I know it's your will that no one perish, but that all be saved. And so it is because you're willing, because Jesus died for all, that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God, I ask that everybody watching tonight would rouse themselves and think, am I a Christian? Am I right with God? 
Have I opened my life? Have I surrendered to him? Have I allowed and accepted Jesus to become my Savior and become my Lord? If you're not sure about that, you need to step out in certainty. Remember, the devil antagonizes in areas of uncertainty. But he said, he wrote these things that we may know that we have eternal life. You may have a knowing tonight, starting right now. Ask Jesus to come into your life. Ask Jesus openly to forgive you of your sins. Trust him. Rely on him. Thank him. You say, I've been with God. I've been a Christian, but I've gotten away from it, and I, I'm taking some cues. I need to come back. I want to make a comeback. Then I pray you just make that rededication thorough, follow through completely, intentionally, and serve the Lord all the rest of the days of your life with gladness. And God, I pray finally and lastly for breakthrough. Anybody and everybody that's experiencing loss or, or discouragement or particularly fear, I break that in the name of Jesus. Pray this from your heart. Dear Heavenly Father, I trust you because you're trustworthy. I'm not going to second guess nor be double-minded. I accept Jesus and his claims on my soul. Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sins. Help me to follow through. Help me to come back to you and help me with these problems in my life. I can experience 100% breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that for the first time, you're a new creation in Christ. The old things passed away and all things have become new. The Bible's gonna become real for you. Get a New Testament, get a Bible and read it. Find a good church and plug into it. If you've rededicated, church consistency is important. Of course, right now, we've been told to have social distancing, but really the Bible says not to forsake your assembling together, which is the habit of some. So this will lift soon, and I wanna encourage you to flock to the church of God's choice for your life and plug in and invest the rest of your life. Sow sow your life, give your efforts, bring your skills, bring your finances, bring your prayer, bring your thoughtfulness, bring your gifts. There's never been a greater moment than today for what you can commit to right now. Jesus has a plan for our generation. And I sense in my spirit, there's never been a time quite like this right now. And God will foster confidence and encouragement in our lives as we trust him for this. Take care of yourselves. Be led by the Holy Spirit. We're going to come together stronger and uh, greater maybe than we've ever been in our history of decades as a church. And so I just want to encourage you to be confident, be strong, and, and uh, he, they that wait upon the Lord will gain new strength. So I pray you get strengthened, and God bless you. Have a great night.